Welcome to Wide Awake. Whether you're a longtime follower of Christ, new to the faith, or someone who may be skeptical about the claims of Christ, we hope these next few minutes will build you up, encourage you, and help you wake up to deep, meaningful life in Christ. I'm Chase Ifflin, the host for Wide Awake Today, and joining me in the studio is Jeff Lawrence, lead pastor of Redemption Church, and Audra Swindell, minister of equipping and women at Redemption. How are you guys doing this morning? Yeah, doing really well. Doing well. You guys had a busy weekend. Like yeah. Student retreat, got to go do some teaching and uh, just good stuff in life for our church. So fun weekend and excited to jump in here in the podcast. Yeah, it was fun. Um, so on Sunday at church, we talked about um, Saul's conversion and um, as we're working through the book of Acts and Saul coming face to face with God and how that changed everything about his life. And so we want to uh, dive in and continue that conversation there. So Jeff, tell us where we're headed in this episode. Yeah, I think when you think about Saul's conversion, it's become such a kind of example or pattern for us to follow. But there's just this remarkable experience that, honestly, we've seen it throughout the book of Acts. You see it in other places as well, but it comes crystal clear just with Paul, the the need for this, man, I, I've had an encounter with the God of the universe. I've, I've seen him and I know him, and that changes everything in Paul's life. And then Paul literally helps change the world through the gospel and, and the work of the Spirit. But in, in that, I think in that moment, we, we reflect on that, we look back and we think, man, what would that be like to have an experience like that, to, to know the Lord in, in a way that, um, that looks like Paul, where Paul says, man, I've got everything in my life is lost compared to the surpassing greatness of um, knowing, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And man, I, I read those passages, I see that, and there's a hunger for me to want to do the same thing, to know the Lord in, in the same kind of a way. And uh, I mentioned this in uh, in the sermon on Sunday, but there's a movement going on right now that uh, people are calling the Asbury Revival that's taking place at a small Christian college in Kentucky. It's about 1,600 students and uh, kind of an interesting story of a, a really normal chapel service. And uh, in fact, um, didn't seem like anything spectacular happened. Some students had been praying leading up to that, that God would work in their midst. And after that chapel service, a handful of students stuck around and um, just began to pray. And then a little while later, text started going out saying, man, these kids have not left the chapel and more people are coming. And they began to continue to sing and worship. They began to, to just cry out to the Lord and ask the Lord to be present. And uh, and that has continued now for about 12 days. And they've gone day and night and all night. Sometimes students have stayed there and, and prayed through the night. And it's a pretty remarkable thing because it seems to be mostly student-led uh, there's not any personalities. There's no kind of big names. There's nothing going on with this except for people are meeting Jesus and God's doing really good stuff. And um, you know, I, I know anytime we hear those things, and maybe you grew up in a Baptist church that scheduled revivals every year. And I remember going to you know spring revival, and as though you could program and, and script when God's going to descend in a powerful way upon people. Or, and, and so sometimes we can get cynical because it can be manipulative or even manufactured, and uh, it's easy to sort of be cynical or critical of those things. Uh, I think sometimes people are in our day with special social media, word spreads, and people try to co-opt it and make it their own thing. But here's the thing I see. Without a doubt, people are hungry for a genuine move of God, and people are flocking there. Now there's, mm-hmm. 
literally uh, just thousands upon thousands of college kids that have run to that college campus because they want to be a part. There's busloads of people coming in. There's uh, apparently spreading to other universities. Now here, heard of over 20 different universities where it seems like there's things that are going on um, within their midst. And uh, people, are, I think, are hungry for a genuine move of God. And we look around the world and we know we need it. And we've seen moments of this in the history of the church, first and second great awakening, the prayer meeting revival. You've seen movements of God in China and in Africa. And uh, reality is we don't really know what's happening at Asbury. We're not there. We don't, you know, and, and, and historically, you don't know what, you can't really weigh the fruit of a, of a movement for decades to know what really happened in the midst of, of that place. But I want us to talk today just about uh, being hungry for the Lord. What does it look like to genuinely desire and authentically hunger for a relationship with God that goes beyond showing up at church on a Sunday and and, and seek something a little bit a, a little bit more powerful than that? Yeah, I think when we see like in Saul's experience, like it, it's it, he has a full stop in his life, right? God God does a full stop movement for him, but. The thing that kind of spreads is the fact that it becomes this community because you see all these people watching. They knew Saul. They knew how he had persecuted Christians. And then his life radically changes. And so I think there has to be this communal aspect where there's this common experience. You see someone, you see something, you've seen their life and the way that um, they have lived, and then you see this profound change. You know, And, it, and that change usually... Change it, it can change your community. I think for our context today, it can be more like, um, you know, we've we've had somebody in our church that we've been, um, you know, they have a burden for someone else or a friend that has something going on. Maybe they personally do, but you've walked alongside them and you've, you're emotionally invested now, right? And, and then you see the Lord change them. And it isn't just this kind of momentary emotional experience, but you see this real observable change where their burdens are lifted, you know, or they they have real repentance, real turning away from something. Um, and this, I mean, it just inevitably produces this kind of humility within your community because you know that it wasn't something that we could have manufactured or created. You know that that God had to be the one that came in, that, you know, came in and changed them and did something really supernatural. Um, and, and it just, it, it changes your whole community. Yeah, I think... You know, Audrey, as you're talking, I think that's one of those, you see that, that powerful thing in terms of a conversion. I think one of the things that we, someone might be listening and say, well, yeah, but that's someone who's, you know, life's really, I mean, Saul was in a really bad place and he needed a full stop turn. Yeah. What about, you know, I feel like I'm doing pretty well. I actually know the Lord. I trust the scriptures. I'm seeking him. I had a friend actually after church yesterday stopped and had a great question. He said, what about those who are already walking with the Lord, but, but man, I'm hungry for more. Like, what, what is, how does this apply to me? And I think it was a great question. I think, you know, his life isn't a mess. His faith isn't uncertain. He's not going through any kind of traumatic experience. He, he knows what he believes, but he wants, he wants more of a relationship with Lord. He wants to grow um, and, and be close to the Lord day by day. And I think that's where sometimes this um, really raises the question of why, why do we seek God? Why are we hungry for God? Why do we, why do we want to, to foster a deeper relationship with the Lord in terms of our our own faith, yeah, and uh, I mean this talk of revival and this you know deep relationship with God, even for someone who's you know been a Christian for a long time and been reading the scriptures, can sound kind of contrary to what a lot of us grew up with in church because 
the the main message of Christianity in the West is that you trust in Jesus, you're saved, and then you go to heaven when you die. And that's just an insufficient view of the good news of Jesus and what he came to do, because Jesus came to give us new life and full life right now. And um, it's life that's lived in relationship with the God of the universe who created us. And um, th- that's crazy. Um, right. to, yeah. <laughs> but yet we... we and I mean, eternal life with God is, is crazy too. Like that's awesome, but there's more for us right now. You know, there's there's peace in the midst of anxiety from knowing the God of the universe. There's hope in the midst of brokenness. There's power to seek justice and mercy and do good in the world. And uh, if we just don't really have that expectation that that's what the Christian life is in the West because um, our faith has been watered down by making it all about getting to heaven when, when we die. And so the way that Christianity is often presented in, in the West might, you know, lead us to think, well, you know, I'm a Christian, but now what? You know, I just wait until I die and then that's good news. And that leads to just an okay spirituality because we're saved. And so we're good, but we don't hunger for anything deeper with God. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting because it's this, we feel this tension of we live in this okay spirituality, but I think all of us feel the restlessness of wanting more, of something deeper. And something I've really been pressing into lately and getting really excited about, honestly, is um, this, I think Christians have been asking this question, like how, how, how do we press in? How do we get this kind of deeper spirituality? And one of the approaches that I've been been really reading about and like kind of just seeking personally and collectively is um, in the last 15 years, I think one of the ways that, that our faith has, um, our faith community has answered this question is this emphasis on spiritual formation. And when I say sp- spiritual formation, I mean that we're talking about this kind of, um, we're formed spiritually, so that, that inanimate part of us, but in this distinctly Christian way, because we know people can be, we know people are spiritual, but we want to do it in a way that is full of the truth of who God is, good theology, who He is, and, and how He works, but also this tension with um, the Spirit and the work of the Spirit in us. And we marry those two together, so we have this um, this truth of who God is that can kind of fill in the gaps of, of our sinfulness and our brokenness. But also, we let the, um, the Spirit come and move. And I love the Old Testament um, word for for spirit ruach, which is it, it's this, it's the same word for wind as like lowercase spirit and uppercase spirit that we see in the Bible, but it's this just kind of wild movement, you know, and this this spirit imagery that is just fluid and powerful. And when you when you marry that with like the good understanding of who God is, it, it creates this really really deep and rich um, growth, I think, in us. Yeah, Audrey, I, I can appreciate that tension between the, the truth of good theology on the one hand, but then also just the the moving of the Spirit of God. Uh, but it's hard to live in that tension. So what do you think are some things that keep us from um, living in that tension and seeking a deeper relationship with God? Yeah, I think it's important like just to acknowledge that everybody feels this tension a little bit, even if they don't recognize it as a as a non-Christian, and maybe they do as a Christian, but everyone feels, I think, this 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 tension. I think we see people calling out for revival if they're Christians or looking around for answers they haven't found yet if they're not, because we know deep down that there's something different and deeper that's out there for us. And in fact, I think the world is looking at the church. They're looking at us and often they're telling us we need to be the ones to repent, right? And then we're looking around from within the context of the church and saying that that we need to repent as well. There's also this strong reality 
that God calls for repentance everywhere, all the time. And I don't think it can be, you know, created or manufactured, just like we're seeing in um, in Asbury. It just they ask for it, they ask for it, they cry out to the Lord, and it's happening. Um, and it has to come from God. It only comes from um, when we humble ourselves. That's what we're hearing. This some of the I heard some students on a podcast this morning talking about just how you feel this humility because our posture has to reflect uh, this kind of idea that. I do not have the answers here. And in fact, I've kind of made a wreck of things, you know, but I want to acknowledge, God, that you do have the answers. Um, and then I think in lieu of God authoring that change in us, that we're going to inevitably create formulas or try to manufacture it ourselves. You know, I think one of the things we're seeing, and I, I think we're going to continue to see, and this is a little bit of speculation, like I'm not not prescribing this thing. I just, I think we're, we're seeing as, push back against kind of the way we've done church is this church's business churches this kind of manufactured sort of a thing and i think one of the things that keeps us from an actual encounter from god is that we've so programmed everything out that part of what's been part of why i think we are interested in what's happening in asbury is it's like it's none of that yeah and i think i think our young people Mm -hmm. are looking and um, and, and you know when you when you when you talk about spiritual formation, Audra, I think it's important to think through that, that we're actually being formed to look like Christ. Yeah. That the, the the people of the church, the who call themselves Christians, look like their namesake. Yeah. The the Jesus stuff is going on in our lives that make people look and go, I want to know more about the God that you worship because I'm seeing something there that's remarkable. And when we settle, well, honestly, what keeps us, I think, away from that is when we settle for. Religious entertainment, mm-hmm. um, religious kind of services that we go to church once a week for an hour, and there's this highly emotional, uh, highly uh, experience-driven thing that we we substitute that for an actual encounter with the God of the universe. I think that uh, can be one of the things that keeps us from from seeking God at a deeper level is we're we become satisfied with a religious service that is highly you know that stirs all our emotions. That maybe doesn't maybe doesn't lead us to an actual encounter with the Lord, mm. or maybe there's a religious behavioralism. Like we modify our our behavior and we clean ourselves up and move from worldly stuff to religious stuff, but there isn't a real sense of vibrancy or life to it. And so, for someone outside the church looking, I think a lot of people look and go, "Why would I want that? Mm. Like yeah. why why do I want to go to an activity for an hour a week that just fills up something else on my schedule?" but doesn't actually change my life, which is why I think it's important for us to go to a deeper level. And and you see these moments in Scripture like a God, God, when God called Moses and there's the burning bush and God stops him in his tracks and says, take off your shoes, this is holy ground. And there's something there that just st- that forces Moses to stop and says, and this is a dangerous place. You need to, you need to move in with a sense of awe a sense of what the Bible calls fear. And it's not fear like trepidation. It's fear in the sense of this is so weighty and so big and so huge that I can't take it. I can't treat it flippantly. I can't treat it as just another thing, but it, it sort of stops me in my track. And um, I think when, when we, when we, when we start to see that it feels different than, well, did you go to church today? Yeah, I went to church. Yeah, I I'm I'm kind of looking at this this revival um, happening, but and also kind of wanting it myself or wanting it for our church. And 
it pushes me to look at what did revival look like in in the in the Bible. And when I think about passages, especially like in Psalm, I was looking at Psalm um, eighty yesterday, and he talk they, they they talk about these people are calling out. They ask for restoration. They ask for they say revive us, Lord. And what they're asking for is for the God to to help them repent, to turn away, and to to make a change. And um, I think this idea, especially in the word revive, is this this thought of deadness and that we need to be awakened. We need to be, we need to wake up. There's this wake up imagery and it's this wake up call to repentance and to the, to humility of this, like you're talking about Jeff of like just recognizing the weightiness of living your life before the God of the universe. And, and it, it, like, as soon as I saw that and was, was thinking about this wake up imagery, it made me immediately think about, um, our church and our vision and, and, and who we are, you know, in Christ. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So our, at Redemption, our vision statement is that we want to help everyday people wake up to deep, meaningful life in Christ. And this idea of waking up is uh, rooted in, in the Old Testament scriptures where the Israelites were wandering in the desert and, and they went through these cycles of following God and then turning away and then waking up to life in God again and then turning away. And um, now as Christians uh, post Jesus and his death and, and resurrection and sending the spirit, we've got God's spirit dwelling within us, but we can still go through life not awake to that reality. Yeah, Chase, I think in a Bible Belt world, especially in suburbia where there's a lot of churches and a lot of church experience and people have had that, sometimes people just become dry. I think they Mm -hmm. sometimes become cynical. Uh, Frankly, I see a lot of people who would consider themselves strong believers who have become distant from the church. They're no longer engaged in the life of church. They they should be the the people that are disciplers, that are uh, that are the women teaching women and men teaching men, and they should be pouring themselves into the next generation. But they themselves have just become distant from the the life of the the community of faith, and and I think spiritually dry. I think some of that comes from church hurt. It comes from cynicism. It comes from all kinds of things. But. Uh, Man, I think when we talk about waking up, and I think it's part of why we put that in our vision, we just see that, that when a church is thriving and when a community is is truly alive, that people are alive not just in a sense of busy, but they're alive to, to life with God. Uh, you know, one of the first passages I've memorized as a kid and began really meditating on was Psalm 63. It says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. That's someone that's in a dry desert season and they're longing for God's presence to do something and revive them and bring life to them. And I think we need that in our world. I think what I'm hearing you say is, and we've said it in other ways throughout the, our time talking, is like that we can't prescript a lot of this. Like we, we need something that's less of the doing and kind of more of the being, which doesn't always, uh, you know, come out as this like practical thing that we can, that, that we can do. You Here's know, the, the four boxes the four steps, check right. and go do the thing, right? Exactly, right. But I think there really are some ways that if we will lean into them, that we as Christians and community of, of Christ and believers can can really take some steps to to seek God and, and ask for this kind of personal and collective revival, you know? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind for me is this posture of humility. We've mentioned it, but there's just kind of a general lack of defensiveness, right? Just like, I just, I trust you, Lord. I, God, I want your peace, and I want to trust you. And and it just frees you up to give away a lot of the stuff that is that is holding us down, right? Like, what else, what, what, what else would y'all say? 
or some of those things. Yeah, Jeff, you mentioned Moses in the burning bush earlier and just, you know, taking his sandals off because the he's on holy ground. And we just, I mean, I won't speak for you guys, but it's hard for me to have that sense of God's holiness in the everyday life, God's holiness, God's majesty, God's transcendence. And uh, w- without that, as a starting place, though, it's hard to enter into it, it. God just becomes small. He becomes something that I fit mm-hmm. into my life, and that doesn't lead to this deep life that we're talking about. When I think about, uh, I think it kind of dovetailing off of humility for me leads to repentance, right? This like personal, just being brokenhearted over my sin, but also as kind of as I'm looking around at the church and just saying, hey, church, let's let's just collectively say, we want to turn away from a lot of the stuff that is leading people away from Jesus. And, and I think when we're when I'm honest about my own my own sinfulness, I have to acknowledge that sometimes it's easy just to be dismissive of my own sin, hmm. not not to really own it. Yeah, um, it's easy to try to just distract myself from it. It's like, oh, that happened. I should run on to something else and just stay busy. Hmm. Um, I think sometimes. We just we live with divided hearts, and our hearts are are pulling in two different directions. We're hungering for God on one hand, but we're hungering for other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think when God when God really is 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 alive to me, and when I have a sense of awe about the fact that the the God who who paints a sunset and holds the world together also cares for me, um, there there's something about that that ought to make me turn loose my hands of, of the sin and the stuff that I'm holding on to and to really run after him and in a, in a different, different sort of way. I think too, the, because we're such an, live in such a hyper individualistic um, context here, like just saying, Hey, I want to do this with a couple other people say, Hey, let's read, let's read some scripture together. Let's start reading through John together and then just talking about it and, and real struggles come to mind and, and real change can happen when it becomes more of a collective and less of a, a self or a personal thing, you know? Yeah, Audra, remarkable things can happen when prayer becomes not just something that we do before meals, but where we genuinely seek the Lord together, where we pray uh, specific and bold prayers, where we pray um, in community. And uh, yeah, I don't remember who said it, but someone I think I read it in a book. It was like if your prayers are, were answered, if all everything you prayed for today was answered, what would anything change in life? And I think, you know, we, we pray these these vague prayers sometimes because it, it, it's easier. But but those specific bold prayers and believing that um, Jesus's words that you know whatever you ask in my name um, that, that that that's true and that that God will grant those prayers and that He'll. Um, He'll reveal himself to us, that he'll wake us up to deep life, that he'll lead a revival in our community or in our city. Yeah, I think what all this stuff's pointing to is how do we move beyond going through the motions? It's so easy spiritually to just go through the motions and do the routine of the day and and not see these things as connected to seeking the face of God and to truly running after him. And when I think about our world, we ought to. Uh, all the data points, you know, we talk about from um, anxiety to stress to uh, to pressure to suicidal ideation to uh, the the ramification of what's going on in the midst of our world and what people are dealing with and the burdens they carry. But we ought to be desperate for God to free us from the burdens of sin and the sorrows of our 
of our world. There's trauma all over the place that people are wrestling with, whether that's physical or emotional burdens that they're carrying, whether that's and they've blown up their lives with with some kind of a sinful decision and they're reeling and trying to figure out what to do with that. Uh, you know, like I, I look at those things and that ought to make us cry out to God and ask for him to to restore us, renew us, revive us in in some kind of remarkable way. And I know for most of us, we're not carrying a lot of the, the, the heavy all the time. And you hear that and you're like, oh, that feels that feels really dark. But we all have stuff in our lives that we that we need to let go of in order to seek God. We all have places where we need the Lord to come in and carry our burdens. We've got uh, decisions we have to make. We've got uh, children to raise. We've got jobs to 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 um, fulfill and responsibilities and a burden of life. As I talk to men over and over, guys just feel the weight of the world is on their shoulders. And we need to allow those things to push us to seek the Lord and to, to, to see the experiences of our life in, in light of who He is and what He wants to do in us. And I think reframing that can be a really powerful thing. Now, I want to just end, I jotted this verse down a little bit ago, but Philippians 3, Paul says, One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And I think that ought to be our heartbeat. Wide Awake is produced by Redemption Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If what we talked about today resonated, please subscribe to our podcast and share this episode with a friend. Also, we'd love to hear from you. If you have questions or topics that you would like for us to cover, you can email us at wideawake at redemptionokc.com. Lastly, if you're looking for more ways to wake up to deep, meaningful life in Christ, we'd love for you to join us for our Sunday worship gatherings. We gather each week at 10.30 a.m. to grow as followers of Christ. You can also join us by watching online at redemptionokc.com. All are welcome. The only requirement is to come as you are. Until next time, may the light of Christ shine on you.